sometimes the best stories in golf aren't found on tour you'll find them at the back of the range and here's your host ben adelberg and welcome to the back of the range i am your host ben adelberg this is episode 243 well here we are this is gasparilla invitational week I'm just about ready to jump across the alley. That's uh, that's Alligator Alley for you non-Floridians. Straight shot from the east coast of Florida over to the west coast where I'm going to head up to Tampa. And I'll be fully immersed in everything that goes along with this great amateur event for the next few days. I am so excited to be capturing content at the Gasparilla this year. Special thanks to Bob Royak, Kevin Dutkowski, Jack Compton, and really the entire membership and professional staff at Palmasia Golf and Country Club. Much like that tournament in Augusta later this spring, the Gasparilla is a tradition unlike any other. Yes, the best mid-ams and senior ams in the country make their way to Florida every year to tee it up, but it's so much more than just the golf. There's the social aspect of the event, the way the membership embraces the players. Real quick, can you name any elite amateur golf tournaments that you know don't have a USGA in the title that has on-course scoreboards, grandstands, beer and food comfort stations, gallery ropes for galleries. Well, this one does. I'll be there all week capturing the sights and sounds, and this coverage is going to be a little different. Yes, you'll see the um, you'll see the golfy content, you know, pictures and videos of the action. But I'm going to talk to the members and the players and see if I can uncover more stories. So lots of interviews this week. I'm going to showcase some of the action outside the ropes, as well as what happens inside. So it's going to be a great, great week. Really looking forward to it. Now, how do you follow? You know the drill. Follow on Instagram. So there's the back of the range. And then the Gasparilla Invitational is now on Instagram as well. They let me take that over for the week. So Gasparilla Invitational on Instagram, the the back of the range on Instagram. Follow them both and enjoy the coverage. Little housekeeping here, the first wave of new back-of-the-range merch is in stock, specifically the trucker hats. Everyone loves them. Same style that I've always worn and provided to you listeners, but we have new scripting on them. It's just the the back-of-the-range because, well, there's more going on here than just a podcast. They're available for sale on the new website. Did Did I tell you that I rebuilt the website? Yep, did that over the holidays. Anyway, go grab a hat. Now, I won't be able to ship them out until I get back from this road trip, but if you're patient, I'll get them to you as soon as I can, and I always throw in a couple extra little goodies as well. Lots of episodes coming your way, some incredible guests that even I'm just thinking, I can't believe I get to talk to this person. I know I don't mention this often, but the reviews are very, very much appreciated, and I've been known to give away free merch randomly to listeners that leave reviews in Apple Podcasts. I'm just throwing it out there. You know, it has happened before. And I just got some new merch in. Are you understanding what I'm getting at here? So go ahead, leave a review in Apple Podcasts, and uh, you never know what might happen. My guest on this episode is making a long-awaited return to the back of the range. It is Chip Brook, who, well, this is well-timed. He's the defending Gasparilla Invitational Champion. Chip and I, and once you start listening to this episode, you'll understand we've known each other for quite some time. Really an early supporter of the back of the range when I wasn't 100% sure what end of the microphone to speak into. 
he had an incredible 2021. He won Gasparilla. He won at Birmingham. We spoke a lot about the Gasparilla Invitational. We spoke about the club, how he navigated that final round despite a, a slip up early on. Again, we talked a lot about what makes this event so special. He's one of the real good guys in amateur golf. And for me, he's one of those guests where I just hit the record button and just try to stay the hell out of the way. Let's get to it. Chipper, welcome back, sir. How are you? Ben, it's great to be back. I'm doing great. Thank you. This dusting off the history of the back of the range. We look back and you were the guest on episode 14, which released in April of 2018, back when I barely knew how to plug in a microphone. Uh, how, how did this happen? Not just you, there's a back of the range, but you, I mean, man, did we get old? Did we just get old? Yeah, really, really fast, Ben. We got super old, and <laughs> your your podcast turned into uh, just this amateur mega star show, which is probably why I was on episode 14. <laughs> Because you weren't sure where it was going, and uh, I'm I'm glad I, I'm glad I've earned my way back to a second episode because uh, I pretty much think if you look at the top 50 players in the world, amateur wise, I think you've interviewed all of them. <laughs> well, it's funny. I appreciate that. What's so funny is because yeah, that was the time I was like, all right, I'm just starting this thing. I kind of need to to lean on the people that I know that that I I don't think are going to be able to say no to me and. Uh, yeah, but but that was that was great. I mean, that episode we talked a lot about. Obviously, earned your way onto the podcast then, and obviously now. But I mean, you know, semifinalist in the U.S. Four Ball back in 2017 with with Mark Dull and you know State Mid Am champion and a lot of great stories. That's why I remember so much about that episode. All the fun stories of you know being you know caddy master at Stream Song and playing mini tours back in uh, back in uh, Southern California. Now, people listening to this episode. As I do a lot of times when people return, they come back, go back and listen to this episode. But you'll enjoy that episode for many reasons. One, you get a great introduction into Chip, who just was a great storyteller. But also, you'll hear how still young podcaster, not knowing what the hell, what the hell he's doing on episode 14. And it is uh, definitely different. But that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it really was. And I honestly, Ben, I remember the when I first met you and we played together and you were like, hey, I have this idea. I'm going to be doing this podcast. Uh-huh. You hadn't done one episode yet. I, can, I don't I don't I don't remember who your first guy was, but you were like, I'd like to give you a call sometime if this thing turns out to get more than two shows. And I'm like, sure, <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> yeah, that's that sounds about right. That sounds about right. So uh, and I want I want to get out of the way real quick, man. I, sure. In all seriousness. I think it's incredible what you've done and what you're doing and just to, to, to see somebody that says, Hey, I have this idea and you just kind of ran with it. And, and now it's turned into this. It's uh it's pretty remarkable. So I'm not to, you know, I think it's really cool what you're doing and what you've done. Well, I, I appreciate it, man. But as I said, many, many times, it's uh it's, it's the people that listen. It's the people that come on as guests like yourself. It's uh it took a village to get here, so uh, I'm just the I'm just the town idiot in the village, and uh, and it's it's been a lot of fun. But we uh, we got to get to some things about you. Lots changed since you know that that first episode. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about you know the the four ball where you and Mark um, you know played against these two little shits, these two juniors, um, Garrett Barber and oh what's his name Cole Hammer. And 
now those two are seniors in college. So that's mind-boggling. But when we talk about year 2021, kind of an interesting year because you would think that with your results and your success, it's because you played a lot of golf and you found yourself just really kind of coming in and finding good form. But definitely life's changed quite a bit for you from back in 2018 to now. So when you think back to maybe what's changed in your life, I mean, where do you even start? But give me an idea of what you were looking like, maybe, you know, your expectations coming into 2021. Well, yeah, certainly a lot of things have changed in the world. And then in obviously my personal life, um, having a having a son born in early uh, 2020. But when 2021 came about, I I looked I was looking towards the uh, the beginning of the year as you know, I wanted to make some changes at the if you remember in 2020, the state amateur was in December that year, Black Diamond, which yeah. is, of course, that I loved and have always played well. And I proceeded to play well on the hard course and then go to the ranch course and have 40 some odd putts and shoot 81 and miss the cut. And really, I mean, it was, it was crazy. I, I, I don't really know what happened to me that day. It was just one of those really weird days. And then I started looking a little deeper on my game and if I'm going to play in these tournaments, how do I want to approach it? And so in early February, I went and saw a guy named Matt Borchert out at Alworth Country Club. He's a guy I've seen in the past. And I think I, I think Esteve's working with him, isn't he? He is. Yeah, oh yeah, a lot of guys. He's yeah. he's kind of a he's he's kind of worked with a lot of guys um, at Alworth, and he worked with s- supposedly a guy that has won a bunch of majors that used to live at Alworth. Gotcha. But anyway. I, uh, I went and I, when, and this is one of the first times I've ever done this with a golf lesson. I basically kind of told Matt, this is what I want to get out of this lesson. My first big tournament of the year is Gasparilla. I've got to have some control of my driver. Um, it's, it's too hot and cold and it's always been a club that's put me in areas that I don't want to be in. And to play Palmasia, you have to hit it straight and you have to have an idea of which way you want the ball to go. And, uh, I went with, I went and spent about an hour and a half with Matt and he, you know, I've worked with him before, but we, we worked on a couple things and he said a few things that just kind of made sense to me as far as ball flight and alignment. Sure. And gave me kind of a couple drills to, you know, work at the work on that I can work on in my driveway and stuff like that. Just some, some swing thoughts. And, um, I felt really good going into that week and, uh, went and played a practice round two days before the tournament. And I said, okay, let's see how this swing's working. And literally that practice round was one of the best rounds I'd ever played at Palmasia. I mean, I made a bunch, I made a few bogeys, but I really hit it good that day. So I really felt confident and uh, was able to really stick with that. And uh, first day the weather was great. And I hit a couple shots that ended up a foot from the hole and made a couple long putts and kind of, just took off running from there. Yeah, you. we're going to talk more about just the Gasparilla because, I mean, we're, we're part of this episode, not just catching up with you, but, you know, we're going to be talking about this year. Uh, this year's Gasparilla, you're obviously going to be the defending champion. Uh, such a special term. I'm excited to be there. So we're going to talk about that in a bit. But just getting back to what you said about, 
you know, working with Borcher at Isleworth and kind of getting things, um, you know, kind of, kind of sounds like it's more of a tune-up and just kind of, I don't want to say putting a Band-Aid on a problem, but it sounds like just, I mean, was it kind of a quick fix? Like, just get me, get me ready for this one tournament and then we'll, we'll revisit later. Have you continued to work with him? Yeah, I, I, I've seen him. I probably went and saw him maybe four or five months ago. Um, yeah, it, it was, it, it wasn't as much of a Band-Aid as much it was how I'm going to approach the tee, how I'm going to look or how I'm going to, see my shot like what kind of shot am i gonna hit because a lot of times i mean i aim down the middle and i'll swing and Let's, see what happens <laughs> um <laughs> which you've been watching me too much don't do that that's that sounds like me man you know and there are days when you're feeling it and it's great and it seems easy but boy when it starts going left early it's uh, as we all know that's a long day uh-huh. um, and and really what he you know not to get too technical but he basically said look wherever your line Wherever you're aimed, wherever your club's aimed, the ball just has to start right of it, whether you want to hit a draw or want to hit a fade. Because what I was doing was basically pulling, pulling all the way down and kind of starting the ball left of my target. Sometimes I'd get lucky and it would fade back, but when I would make what I would think a good follow through, you'd hit that dreaded double cross. Yeah. So we, we really just did a few technical things on my takeaway and, um, you know, it's it it made sense to me, and it was easy for me to do and feel. And I mean, I'm pretty simple when it comes to that. You know, if I find something that I know works, and then you start hitting fairways on tight golf courses, you know, I'm I'm gonna stick with it. And that's pretty much what I've been doing. I mean, I've I, it's easy. You know, by far the best year I've ever had driving the golf ball. See, and that's like- that's incredible because, like, you know, th- that's one thing I know. Listeners that are working with a coach and uh, are taking a lesson, it takes time for that information to sink in, not just for the, the muscle memory to adopt something new, but also for you to incorporate the trust. And it's one thing to try and take what, yeah, you know, oh, this coach I'm working with, he's told me this new tip. That's one thing you say to your buddies when you're playing a, you know, a $5 NASA at, at the club or, or at the course on the weekend. But you're going and playing a tournament that really does mean a lot to you. It means a lot to everyone that goes there. I mean, this is a very special tournament. And then you adopt it, and then you fire out of the box with, with a 64 in the opening round. Can you talk about just mentally saying, all right, I'm going to roll with this? I mean, because you didn't have much of a lead-up time to incorporate this this approach to your game. No, I, I really didn't, and it w- it's kind of a funny story. Matt was so busy that in early February that I had to go see him on, like, a Saturday at 3.30, probably a week and a half before Gasparilla. Oh, gosh. Um, and, it you know, just kind of kind of worked out great. But, yeah, I mean – once truthfully once like i said once i played that practice round and i i started hitting you know the driver like i wanted i felt really good so i was going to roll with it and then you know kind of started off like first shot hit it good and i was like okay then went to the next hole and did the same thing and then got to 12 which is probably the hardest driving hole in my opinion for me at gasparilla and just hit this drive just like i would want it and and I just kind of told myself, like, just just keep doing it. Quit thinking about it. Quit being amazed that you're hitting fairways and just, <laughs> just keep in and, and, and see what happens. And like I said, hit it, you know, hit a couple shots that, you know, got a lucky bounce or, 
you know, I felt like I stole it, but somehow it ended up next to the hole and then made a couple good putts. But I really felt like I, I knew exactly where the ball was going off the tee. And at that course, uh, it was a great feeling. It was the first time I've ever had it really playing there. That's incredible. I mean, for something like that to show up right when it counts, and obviously, you know, Palmasia, the host of the Gasparilla, is is not a wide open, monstrous golf course. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's short. It's tight. It's kind of been around forever. It's not a definitely not something that you would think a bomber is is going to go and and uh, you know kind of tackle and overpower. You need to be precise there. Before we talk a little bit about just you know that that entire week and the championship, for people that don't know the Gasparilla Invitational. I mean, it's, it started as a professional tournament back in, gosh, I mean, just the history of this place, you know, starting back in the, in the thirties. I mean, it's, it's the site of Walter Hagen's last professional win. It started out as professional uh, ch- championship, actually had yeah, the, the biggest purse, the PGA uh, toured back in, uh, you know, back in the thirties. And then it eventually it morphed into an amateur and then also morphed again, believe it or not, into a mid-amateur event. So now the current design of this invitational is a mid-am and senior. And it is not just the, the tournament, it's it's the socialization of the, the uh, socializing with the members. There's a lot going on for this tournament. And this, <laughs> I mean, it really is. I mean, I've played in it once. I've been there. Uh, I, I've I've seen that it's not just about you show up, play your golf, and leave. There's a lot going on with this tournament. Yeah, it's like a giant happy hour with a golf course in between. And, and for as much as I know you, Chip, uh, is it safe to say that this kind of a tournament fits your personality more so than perhaps another invitational or tournament that has less social aspects to it? I mean, am I on solid ground here by saying that yeah, I think, but you know what, Ben, the, the first year I, the first year I played, um, in 2018, you know, I had heard of it, but I didn't know, I'd never seen Palmasia. I didn't know much about it. And then you go out there and like I said, it's just like all the members are there. They, they love the tournament. They think it's just absolutely fantastic, which it is. Um, and you know, there are, especially on Friday and Saturday, I mean, there's, beer stations, food stations, kegs everywhere, members walking around. And as you know, for those that don't know, I mean, all of these holes kind of run right next to each other. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's this social event. And the first, the first two times I played, I was never anywhere near winning. I think I finished maybe 20 something and like 30th. So never was I playing where I had much on the line other than me wanting to play well. So you'd get to 18 and I want to say like, I I think the last time I played the year, Mike Finster won, I think I started on like the fourth or fifth hole, but still you get to 18 and the crowd is there. They have the grand. There's a screen there with your name and you're just like, Oh my God, please don't do something (laughs) like skull one over the green or hit a three, you know, hit an iron into the, into the lunchroom, you know, because there's an outdoor patio like six steps off oh, the green. It, it, it tightens up there. It's, yeah. And it's not just the hole. I mean, everything just kind of like, oh, you're absolutely yeah. right. You got the gallery, you got the, the signage, you got the, yeah, it things get a little tight there in the last hole. Oh, yeah. So, um, so to experience it this year, where, you know, by the time I get to number 10 on Saturday, however many people, I don't know how many people were there, but I mean, it's packed, and and they're following you all the way in. 
And, you know, no disrespect to any other tournament, but I don't know if there's a better trophy in amateur golf yeah. than that 70-pound skull with golf clubs through it. And I think part of that, the part of the coolness of the whole Gasparilla, the Pirate, the Tampa thing, the you know, it's, it's the, like a party atmosphere. Um, it just, you know, it's really, really fun. And to be in it was even made it more fun. And, and truthfully, I was, I was more nervous the years prior when maybe I didn't feel like I was playing very well than this year when I'm, you know, me and Tug were going down the last nine a stroke apart it's, um, and it's kind of, and i'm guessing it's because you want to come back you're so thankful to be in the field i mean obviously you deserve to be there but you're also like all right don't let me screw this up because i want to be back here and i and it probably does take at least for me when i played it i mean i played it several several years ago but i remember playing in it where i was like this is just a different animal it takes a year or two to learn this place 100 percent. yeah yeah I, you're you're right too and i mean you know I'm not, I don't just, you know, obviously now after the year I've had and and maybe in previous years, I played well enough to get an invitation, but still as this tournament keeps becoming more and more popular and people are like, man, people from everywhere up North where it's cold, be like, I can come to Tampa in February and play in this great tournament in a great city for three days. You know, I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I'm sure the amount of people that are wanting to play in this tournament every year, probably the number keeps going up and up, which um which is cool so yeah you want to play well because you want to have you know it's not necessarily how you how you know if you win or not but you know you want to make make a good showing and at least let the committee feel like hey we made the right decision letting this guy in and and you're right that that does add some pressure when you're at that tournament because once you're there for the first time you're like i don't ever want to miss this exactly well i mean i I, if i remember correctly somewhere in that top 25 top 30 gets you back the following year you know uh, i think it still is somewhere in that neighborhood i could be i could be wrong but i think it's top 20 i I, i'm not sure okay well top 20 is like automatic well i mean top 20 finished at plus five and you know that's and this is a tough golf course. You know, I mean, top twenty shot sixty nine, seventy, seventy six, two fifteen, yeah. and you get the wind going there. You get thing. I mean, and there's some pretty, there's some solid names that are in this top twenty from not just the state of Florida, but all over the country. And you got mm-hmm. people coming from. I mean, Duraney from Mississippi's there, and and uh, you know Brad Tilly from Connecticut. You know, top three. Now you mentioned your Tug Maud. Uh, you know, you guys were going down the stretch now let's embarrass you a little bit well we'll embarrass tuck too um you know you're supposed to mark your golf ball on the first tee so that when you're out there in the fairway you can see which ball is your you do know that that's kind of a thing i mean you have a lot more high level tournament experience than i do but i do distinctly remember being on first tees and them saying hey you guys marked your golf balls and showed to each other it, it, you did do that didn't you I did. I did. <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's talk about what happens early in the, in the final round, because you did say that this actually loosened you up because you're like, man, I'm such a dumb shit. So talk to me yeah. about what happened here. Well, you know, the, so I start the day, I, I have a one shot lead over tug and I think I have a two shot lead over the third guy in our group. I apologize. I can't remember his name. Um, and you know, you're nervous and I bogey. I hit a shot on one that's on the green, and by the time I drive up there, it had rolled off down twenty five feet in the fair, twenty five yards in the fairway. That's how fast the greens were. 
Like I hit a shot, was like, wow, it's a great shot on number one. And as I'm driving, I just see the ball start coming backwards. So I bogey one real quick. Par two, which is an easy birdie hole, tug birdies it. And now all of a sudden, just like that, he's winning by one. So we go to number three, which is a par five. For those that, that know it, you'll know what I'm saying when I'm talking about the second shot. Well, I hit a drive in the fairway and tugs in the right rough. Tug hits this three wood like this low cut under a tree and it starts going right and I see it bounce and you can't really see because there's enough of a mound short of the green where you kind of you see his ball bounce so I proceed to get up there and hit a four iron and flail it right and I'm watching it land and as the ball lands I see sand splash okay, okay. yeah we drive up there there's a ball in the bunker gotta be mine tug goes to look for his ball He's right of the green under some tree. I have a bunker shot that I have to hit about 20 yards to an elevated green, but I can't go out the pin because there's a tree in my way. And I hit this shot. I mean, it was, it was, I thought it was a great shot. It barely gets to the green, hits the fringe and rolls a few feet on the green. And I have a 40 footer for birdie. But in my head, I'm thinking, you know what? You avoided something awful. Right. And I never think about it's okay if you three putt, but I'm like, I'm in, a, I'm okay if this is my my birdie putt after the second shot I hit. Right. Well, then Tug goes to hit his shot, and he's got a brutal shot. He chunks it, then he chips it again, and it goes over the green, rolls down the the over the back of the green, and now he's got a brutal shot to try to get up and down and and make uh, three six. Yeah. So he's, so trying like, to, okay. he's trying to say bogey, and you're, you're looking at, you know, possibly picking up a, a shot. A good two-putt, and I make par. Meanwhile, the third guy in our group's got, like, a 15-footer for Eagle. So he had to wait, like, 30 minutes watching <laughs> Tug and I fuck around. Um, so Tug goes to hit his chip shot, and he goes, this isn't my ball. And as soon as he says that, I put my hand in my pocket, reach the golf ball, and I look. Oh, and I'm like, oh, that's not a purple dot. Oh, oh my God. So now I'm like... So now what? Darren Green from the FSGA comes and he says, okay, none of these shots count. Go back and place your ball where it was. So I tell Tug where mine was, where I'd raked, and he's like, bro, my line was terrible. This is where <laughs> oh my God. So we both hit really good shots to get onto the green. I hit like a chip that like bounces up against the bank and rolls, I don't know, 30 feet away or so. And I make a two-putt for seven. Tug makes two putts for seven. And the guy we're playing with makes the 15-footer for eagle. <laughs> so all of a sudden, there's like nine guys within a shot of the lead after that hole. And I was so, like, internally embarrassed and mad. that, And honestly, it just kind of, it really did, call, it, it, it settled every nerve I had. And it wasn't, no, it wasn't that I wasn't in the lead anymore, but it was just, because, you know, it's you, any golf tournament, whether it's the first round or the last, I mean, there's some nerves there, and which is part of the golf, and you just kind of got to battle through it, and usually they go away and you get calm. And this is the thing that calmed me. And we get to the next hole, and um, Tug hits it a foot, and I hit it five feet, and we both make birdie, which I was like, okay. Like, we got a lot of golf left. I, I've been hitting it good all week, like, you're stupid. You're an idiot. I can't believe you did that, but you know, um, just, just keep it going. And, um, 
you know, I played like after that double, I played the last 15 holes, three under, I think I missed, you know, only a couple of greens and tug gave me a run and he, uh, he battled all the way and was fortunate to, uh, to win by one. But yeah, that was, that was pretty, uh, pretty embarrassing. And I just was like, don't let this define, you know, cause we've all had those rounds where we're playing bad and there's that one hole and you're like, yep, this is a story I'm going to tell my buddies on why yep. I play like crap because of this hole. And I just was like, this is, no, this is not going to be, you're going to play, you're going to play hard and see what happens. And hopefully this won't be the one that cost you. And fortunately it wasn't, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I think I remember specifically the last time I hit a wrong ball in a tournament, I think I was like 15 and Tug said he had done it once in college. So, yeah. <laughs> So just like just an odd, weird blip on the way to kind of real. And, and actually, it sounds like it probably freed you guys up to play better golf coming down the stretch. Because yeah, if that doesn't I, I happen, think- then maybe because it sounded like you guys were kind of uh, clearing, uh, you know, kind of pulling away from the field. And maybe it would have been a kind of a tense, uh, tense back nine. It sounded like you just freed things up to allow you to play better. Yeah, I just kind of, right, you just have to have a short memory and uh, just keep going. Yeah. Now, but, uh, you, you mentioned the trophy. You, you're you going to have your, your name on that trophy forever and the uh, the excitement afterwards. Not, I mean, it's so cool when you get to win a tournament and there's members around. And there's, you know, normally when you're at a, you know, whether, whatever, maybe pick the tournament. But for the most right. part, when you win an amateur tournament, the play- everybody's gone everyone's gone yeah the players and they they gotta like you know grab 10 guys out of the the lounge like hey can you guys come out here and just like applaud for this guy that we're gonna give a trophy to because it's a little <laughs> awkward hey know. cart hey 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 kitchen staff exactly yeah exactly <laughs> everyone in the kitchen staff of the cart barns like we gotta clap for this guy but there's there's no one left um slightly different experience for you would you say yeah it's it's incredible they uh you know, you, you, you get done, you win, and, you know, they're bringing out the trophy, and they're setting up the grandstand, and members are coming, and they're like, oh, you know, did you like the tournament? Did you like the tournament? I'm thinking, yeah, See, that, Wow, that's and that, actually, and that's, that's what, really that's cool. That, yeah, that's what makes that play so cool is, I mean, just the, the people there, and you feel proud. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you feel really, like, I feel honored that I, not only is it cool that my name's going to be on that trophy forever, but just, you know, you really want to win it not only for yourself, but you want to be able to, you know, see if you got it, see if you can do it. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think that's all we all play. Um, sometimes we shock ourselves and I'm not going to say that I, I didn't think I could win, but, um, you know, before the tournament started, obviously, but, um, you know, after that first day and I, I felt really good to be able to stay on path and, and then I get, like I said, the members, I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. It's hard to describe. Yeah. There's some great names that are here that, that, that played last year. I mean, I'm looking down the list and I mean, you know, got Nick Macario, who is a semifinalist in the U S mid-am this year. And I mean, Duraney was a runner up in a U.S. mid-am and uh, you know, just going down the list, you know, TJ, Parziali, you know, TJ Sheward, Davenport, you know, Bobby Leopold, um, I mean, these, you know, Philip Lee was at the East-West matches at Merido, and so was Steve Harwell, and, and you know, Mark Dull, former, you know, winner mm-hmm. of that tournament, and just going down the list, and you know, Finster, I mean, that guy, 
Finster's incredible. I mean, he just legend, legend. You know, Bob Royak, U.S. Senior Amateur yeah. Champion. Um, yeah, it's it, you know, it's just it's a really and you know, Doug Hansel, that guy. Go look up what Doug Hansel's done in, in amateur golf, and yeah, it just it's absolutely incredible field. Now, um, you got a lot of attention for winning this. There's a lot of great pictures of you with this this, like you said, probably one of the best trophies in amateur golf I think I've ever seen. But let's be fair, you were not the media sensation that day. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> let's let's talk about the true star in the Brooke household. Uh, you know, don't disrespect for, to your daughters and the wife, but but we know who the star is. Your new boy, your new little boy, um, how old is he now? Two, two, three, something like that? Yeah, he turns two. Okay. He um, turns two on the 27th. He turns two on the 27th. So um, let's let's get him some, some pub here. First of all, I don't know how you pull this off, but your little boy's name is Ace. Okay, this is not a nickname. This is his birth certificate. This is on the birth certificate. No, 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 no. Oh, his damn it, that ruined everything. But that's okay. I, I know. I know. His his middle name is Wallace, which is my wife's maiden name. Okay. And A C E are the last three letters yeah. of Wallace. Now we liked Ace the whole time. Okay. But we just want we we were trying to figure out how to incorporate it into like a nickname and his first name he's named after me my first name is kenneth okay but i did not and i'm i'm kenneth brooke the third but i did not want to do kenneth brooke the fourth just not wealthy i'm just not rich enough to have a son that's the fourth. <laughs> you, you didn't you didn't see yachting and uh in his future or something no. like that. well i mean maybe i mean maybe you know uh play the stock market right but yeah okay my wife's like do you want to name him the fourth i'm like babe we don't have enough commas in our bank account for me to throw an IV. <laughs> okay, but but seriously, this kid—I mean, it is, he's gonna be called Ace pretty much everywhere he goes. Oh, everywhere. Yeah, no, yeah, no, exactly. And yeah, he. So funny story about that. Um, he was one and a couple weeks old. Um, my wife obviously wanted to come. She wanted to bring him, and I just—I—I I told her, like, you know, this is when I tee off. You figure out whenever. You want to come, obviously, when you have a kid, schedules, you know, sure. especially a toddler, yeah. you know, your schedule is never the schedule. And she literally showed up at Palmacia. I think I was on 16T. He was asleep. She woke him up, got him, you know, shoes on or whatever. And as I'm driving up 18 or on, on, driving up to the 18th green, there she is with him. And uh, yeah, after it was all said and done, we're go doing photo shoots on the on the putting green, and he has his little plastic club that he had to bring with him. Of course. And uh, I I think I was holding him during my one of my when I was doing the speech afterwards. Um, and yeah, he's uh, <laughs> he's the superstar of the family. At, no, at, at that point, no one really cared about you anymore, did they? No, no. If he could talk, I would have just handed him the microphone. He could have finished. <laughs> I know it's a little bit different uh, having a, having a kid there after you after you win, but you've played in this tournament a handful of times, as as we've talked about. Um, I don't know if politically correct is the right word, but as conservatively as possible, um, can you explain the party atmosphere at the Gasparilla without giving too many details uh, and 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 keeping you know keeping the the guilty uh, you know protected? It's definitely a very 
um, you know, especially on Saturday, especially when the weather's good. Um, it's a very fun environment as some of the great private clubs in the world for those that are members of those places, the pours at private clubs are always better than at a public course. Amen, brother. Um, Amen. The nicer the club, usually the better the drink. And uh, so, yeah, there was, I think I at one point had four transfusions handed to me after the tournament from four different people that all wanted me to buy, buy me a drink, which uh-huh. was cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it was, uh, it was, it was live. Now I was there the year Mark won. I stayed till the end when Mark won and it was, he stayed for me, which was great too. And Mike Fenster was, I mean, most people at that tournament, nobody's really trunk slamming. Right. Exactly. You're, even if you shoot whatever, um, you're going to come back. Am I, um, as you, I'm sure, you know, Devin Hopkins, he's a really good buddy of mine. Yeah. He, he got, he had a rough second day with the weather and missed the cut and, he came back and watched me play the back nine. And so stuff like that is, you know, that's, that's the kind so of cool. Love. That is so yeah. you, you do not see that. I don't know if I can emphasize that enough. You really, no matter how close your friends are, you, you really don't see that at amateur Mm-mm. golf. Mm-mm. I mean, we Mm-mm. see it on the PGA tour. Oh, that's cool. You know, Fowler stuck around to see Spieth or JT hung out to, to wait for, Whoever, I mean, and and we see that on the PGA Tour. Well, those guys are, you know, they're all on the damn the same private jet home. So it's not like, uh, yeah, this is not this doesn't happen in amateur golf very much. You know, it really doesn't. I mean, I think it the the whole the vibe of that event is like you really don't want to leave. Um, but you know, it just that's that's what's great about this game. You know, I have friends all different ages. Uh, we all share the same passion for for playing golf and competing. You know, I would do the same thing. I mean, if I was, I mean, I'd, I'd done it before. You know, you get done and you wait an hour for the guys to come in. And it's a fun hour hanging out with everybody and, and watching watching the leaders come in. And, uh, yeah, it, that that's those because, you know, you cherish your friends. You uh, when when you're someone like me who has three kids and you, know, you don't get a ton of you have time to text chain and stuff like that and send funny memes on social sure. media to your friends and you kind of keep connected, but you don't really see each other that much. And so to have them, everybody kind of hang around and, you know, obviously Mark and I have such great friends and we've been through a lot um, golf wise together. And I know that just as I was super proud of him when he won, I, he, I, you know, you said same sense of like, man, way to go. And, and that's kind of cool when you know, those guys are pulling for you. Yeah. Now you're going to be heading back in a couple of weeks trying to defend your championship. And it, you know, you didn't play very much. I mean, you had a great 2021. You obviously win the Gasparilla. You also win the Birmingham Invitational later in the year under obviously much different circumstances as far as weather. You know, same strong field, but really, really challenging. I think I think your winning score was plus five, which was just... That course is ridiculously hard. Yeah. Um, but let me but ask yeah. you, you don't have as many reps as maybe you, you would have maybe five years ago when, when life's a little different. And that's, hey, that's that's being a mid-amp and that's having a family. Mm-hmm. How, do you, um, how do you approach going into this year's championship? Obviously wanting to play well, wanting to repeat, but you know, knowing that your time maybe to work on your game, your time to practice just as, as much as maybe, you know, someone else. So the first part of your question about kind of a, uh, uh, less reps that particular year, I remember following up the four ball with the state am and the state open and just remember being t- 
totally gassed. And, you know, the year before, Mark and I were battling for player of the year. And so we played a bunch of tournaments, too. And it just got to a point where I felt like if I'm not playing well, if I'm playing in tournaments and, I, and I'm not playing well, like, I, I don't want to, you know, I just don't want to play it as many. And I figure that I can play less events. And fortunately, now I'm getting some invited to some incredible spots. And, you know, this is not a plug, but two years ago for Christmas, my wife got me that perfect putting mat, yeah. which I have in my garage. And then I have an orange whip and then a, the drill, a couple drills that Matt gives me that I can pretty much do in my garage and driveway. So, you know, I'm not a guy that's going to go out and hit two pyramids of balls. If I do have time to practice, um, you know, it's usually chipping and putting or not even really putting, but chipping. And then, you know, of course I like to go play, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like the, the kind of doing, doing the things like at my house or doing swing drills without actually hitting a ball for me, especially at my age, I've been playing golf a long time. Like, there's just a kind of a few things where if I feel like I can do it and, and it helps my game, it's it's honestly more productive than going to hit ball sometimes. Yeah, and it sounds like there's just like a diminishing returns. I mean, yes, you know, to, to go tell someone, hey, I was out on the range beating balls for three hours, um, at some point as we get older, you, you know, the, the what you're gaining out of that is it's not going to outweigh the fact that you're actually taking a toll on your body. Correct. And I want to say this real quick, too, um, so I don't forget. As you you know that I've – Tim Tucker and I have been friends for a long time. But Tim is, for those that don't know, caddied for Bryson for a long time. He's worked for my dad at Bannon Dunes. Great guy. I've known him forever. Having conversations with Tim about golf, and they're few and far between, but we've had some times. And the way he talks about how he approaches caddying and how these tour players hit balls and the things that they're focused on and thinking about and what they do – little tips here and there I've gotten, I, I feel that other than obviously driving the golf ball was a huge change for me in 21, but those kind of like, I don't know if they're called, tr you know, trade secrets or whatever, Yeah. but I, I, I give him a lot of credit for that because there's a few things that, that we've discussed. Mark knows too, cause we'll have these conversations and we'll be like, Tim, what are you talking about? And then we'll go play the next day and we'll hit a shot based on what he was saying and we're like oh my god like this like, is incredible you just unlocks like, you just un now can you give can you share an example of this that i don't want you to have to like give away trade secrets here no 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 the best example i can give is and this is probably the one that any listener could kind of visualize and practice it. perfect but tim and i years ago before he, he tim was here for bay hill I think it was Bryson's first or second year at Bay Hill. So Tim's schedule, that was before Bryson would be on the range till 10 o'clock at night. So Tim gets done and we go out to Orange County National to play like nine holes because he's got the afternoon off. And um, we're in a bunker and he says, oh man, Bryson taught me this shot the other day. You won't believe, you won't believe it. So we get in there and he's, and he's basically trying to his philosophy is the only way to get spin on a bunker shot is to have to create a ton of speed and make sure the ball hits every groove. And the best way to do that is he tries to, he says he tries to bury his hosel. I mean, other than like really soft or really firm or really, really hard stance. So a normal bunker shot. Sure. 
<clears throat> he says the best way to create that speed in the spin <clears throat> is to literally try to bury the hosel right behind the ball, coming in at an angle where you're splashing sand on your front calf. Okay. Okay. So I know that might be hard to, th- but that's kind of their thought. And, and, and what happens when you do that? So you're basically taking the club straight out. You're not turning back inside. You're literally lifting it straight out and up. Right. And trying to leave the, leave the wedge in the sand while popping the ball and making that sound we all love on a good bunker shot. Right. So we're out of Orange County, I can't remember what hole we're on. And he's like trying to teach me the shot. And I'm trying, I'm trying to keep shanking it and shanking. He's like, you're getting closer, you're getting closer. If you're shanking it, you're getting close. I'm like, okay. And then boom, I hit one. I'm like, oh. So we go play another hole. I have like a chip shot. I'm, I didn't need to hit a flop, but I'm like, I'm going to try this out of the rough. Right. The same thing. Comes out, lands off, rolls right next to the hole. So the next afternoon, I'm out of heat throw. And I'm like, I'm going to just sit in here and sit in this bunker for 30 minutes. And my short game has, which I always thought was a a strength of my game. That one shot thought process has, has taken it to even another level. And that is something that you would never hear anybody teach at any PGA video. Right. That's not coming out of golf digest. No, I'll give you another example. This doesn't really pertain to us because we're in Florida, but, and then I'll, I'll be done with the Timmy stories, but they were saying that they, he was playing a tournament in Hawaii, the, whatever that's called the Hyundai and yeah, yeah, TSC. the one that the guys just shot a hundred under and <laughs> tournament um, champions. Yeah. <laughs> so he said he was on the fairway that was a four degree slope down and it was a downhill shot to a green that was four degrees the other way which basically makes that 170 yard shot, even though you're downhill, still 170 yards. Cause you're take the angle that you're hitting the ball and then the angle that the ball is landing. And he said all week after they had figured this out, they would, there would be certain holes where they would be pin high and he would be like, there's no way this guy know this guy will be short. And all these other tour players would be front of the green, you know, 25 feet further away than Bryson because they had figured out, you know, these little things right? and, you know, the ball above your feet, ball below your feet. I mean, there's all these things like, you know, if the ball is above your feet, we all taught it's going to go left. Timmy's like, no, no, open the face, open the face up and aim, aim right at it. The ball go dead straight ball below your feet, close the face, aim right at it. ball, go dead straight. And it sure does. And those are just like little things that every time I get, you know, Timmy and I get a chance to hang out, which isn't a lot, but we saw him. We actually Mark and I saw him a couple of months ago. You know, he's just, he's amazing. And uh, I, I get, I, he really deserves a lot of credit from, from a, just more of an approach and thought process on hitting shots um, versus anything technical. Yeah. So kind of want to throw that in there. Just no, no, it's awesome. And you know, what's so crazy is that you're talking, you're talking about a guy that that's catting for Bryson DeChambeau. And, and as you said, Bryson being out in the range till nine, 10 o'clock at night. And, ob- <laughs> and obviously you know, the results are there for the most part. I mean, he's Bryson's been very, very successful in what he's done, whether you... He's phenomenal golfer. Whether you agree with it or, or like him or Correct. whatever, but whatever, you know, that's to each their own. But I still, after just listening to you talk about him, you know, the, the, the law of diminishing returns, I mean, there had to have been some nights where he's out there at 930 in the range with him saying, what are we doing out here? <laughs> 
<laughs> just like why? If why? I if I could only tell you some of the texting conversations we'll have at nine fifteen at night when I'm watching Golf Central, and I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> so you're watching him on TV, and yes. you're just and you're just like, why? Why? Oh yeah. And then I'm calling my other my other buddy who has known Tim for even longer, and we just laugh. We just you know. Not at him, but just. no, just just of course. Now, now, actually, I don't know if people know it know this, but I well, obviously, J- Tim is not counting for Bryson anymore, and I believe he picked up a bag recently uh, yep. at at Sony. But yep. he started his own business, didn't he? He did. Tell me about this business because I think I remember what it is. But um, it, it's a isn't it kind of like a VIP shuttle service to Bandon Dunes? Yeah, it's called. And I want to. I know it's called Loop is the main name. I don't know if it's called Loop Golf Travel or Loop Luxury, whatever. It's Loop Golf but, Loop Golf Transportation. So, yeah, we're right okay. there. There you go. Um, you can tell I'm not getting paid for this. Um, and, yeah, he has these luxury vans that are state-of-the-art that he is strictly, well, not strictly, but mostly catering to guys that are coming to Bandon, flying privately. Yeah. And he's basically there, or these buses are there, are their transportation from the airport to Bandon. Um, and it's been a huge success because, you know, obviously Timmy has a great relationship with Bandon Dunes. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that take PJs out there. And I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean, I don't know the details or numbers because we don't, but he, from what he's told me, it's going fantastic. He's got a great group of guys that are working for him out there. And yeah, Adam, he went and worked for Adam Svensson yeah, this last right. yeah. week. I don't know if it was like a, Hey, this is this guy's first time out. Like, can you do me a favor? Like, I don't know the ins and outs of who he knows or whatever, but I was like, well, that's three, four shots a day that that guy's going to play better golf. And I think he, what shot 16 under finished like eighth. I mean, that's, that's a nice, and if I remember right, Svensson, I believe is actually down here in South Florida playing the minor league golf tour. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not anymore. Damn. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, this is true. Like you take, I don't care who you are. If he's on your bag and you listen to what he says, you may not make seven birdies, but if you're usually making four or five bogeys, you won't make them. You might make one. But I mean, it's literally it's like having Tom Brady as your quarterback. Wow. Yeah, he's he's something else. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, Svensson had a great week, and Timmy was in Hawaii, and what could go wrong? I mean, it sounds like I mean, how how do you get him to to Tampa for the Gasparilla? I mean, how do you, how do you get him down here to loop for you? I mean, is that how are you going to make that call, or how's that going to happen? Yeah, I not afford him oh, anymore. Okay. No. Okay. All right. Maybe if I made a major. I could convince them. There you go. Could, yeah. So no, I mean, how hard can that be? Right? Uh, I, easy. No. You can get that done. That's no problem. <laughs> Just, you know, a couple rounds here and there and you're fine. So, yeah. um, so 2022, obviously going to be an exciting year for you. Going to be defending a Gasparilla coming up. What else do you have planned for, for 2022? What, uh, what's on the horizon? So 2022, I have, uh, be planning obviously the Gasparilla next month. Then um, playing the Azalea in uh, Charleston, the Country Club of Charleston, the Azalea Amateur, um, which is pretty awesome um, to get an invite to that. Um, Mark and I will be playing the U.S. Four Ball at uh, Birmingham um, Country Club in May. 
Um, and then I'll be playing a tournament up at, uh, in New Jersey, oh. Pine Valley. Whoa. In, uh, September. They're, yeah. le- they're letting you in that place. Uh, yeah. Don't tell anybody. Oh my God, <laughs> man. I can't believe Don't take anything. All right. Now listen, if you see something and it's not nailed down, that doesn't mean you can take it. Just watch yourself around there. Good. I better call some people up there. Let them know what, what they- uh, the snapper soup is worth it. Oh, my God. Um, don't bring then, it, don't bring your own thermos and ask him to fill it up. It's yeah, this is a different kind of joint. Okay. This is you not can't, you can't bring coolers. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm obviously super super excited for that. And then uh, the Birmingham Invitational will be in November. That sounds like so, a fun year. Now, you know the, yeah, there's now you know the I mean, US, I, now you know the USGA holds tournaments throughout the year too. They got an amateur, a mid well, I gotta try to qualify for those. Okay, so. all right, all right. We got I'm, gonna, I'm I'm doing my best. Now yeah, I uh, obviously I'm not I'm not counting USGA events playing unless I qualify. So I'm going to be trying there to qualify go. for a couple of them. But love it. Um, we'll feel pretty good. And, and truthfully, last year is is it, it, 21 was just s- such an incredible year. Um, obviously, I did not qualify for the US Mid Am. I, I went to try and missed, and that was a bit of a bummer. But um, yeah, I couldn't ask for for a better year and and you know, shocked, shocked that I, I'm not shocked, but the fact that I, I won twice was, was incredible. And it's hard to win any tournament. Um, and when you're out of it, it doesn't seem like it, but when you're in it, you realize just, you know, all those, all those nerves and subconscious thoughts that you never thought would enter your brain start flowing through. But, um, it was really cool, really great year. The cool thing about Birmingham, so obviously Ace was there when I won Gasparilla. Neither one of my daughters wanted to drive down that day. But Addison, my oldest daughter, her and and my wife flew to Birmingham the morning of the final round. Wow. And were able to watch me try to blow it, but end up winning in the playoff. (laughs) Um, So that was nice. So it was really cool to have that because anybody that really knows me knows my kids. Um, Just because they're... You know, from when it was just me and them for a while. Um, so if you knew me, you knew them. And as they're getting older and doing their thing, it's it's just it's fun for them to be a part of it as well. Well, uh, I'd like to, if possible, get get in line early. So if if Ace wraps up or or, or captures a U.S. Kids title anytime in the next, I'd like to be in line. Uh, have him um, on on the back of the range if if he can. As soon as he learns to talk. He, uh, he can be on it. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, man, I've had some people on here that he, he'll be just fine. I mean, I'm just saying, I, you know. Um, His favorite word is no. So. Oh, um, all right. Well, that's we're going to need to work on work on that. That's that. <laughs> there needs to be a give and take, Chip. I mean, and more. Yeah. No and more. No, no and, and more. more. Okay. All right. Well, so, yeah. My bad. Nice. Well, I, I can't I can't think of a better way to end the episode. Uh, we have to actually, before we close this episode out, funny enough, just this uh, shares the, or this kind of tells the whole story of how long ago it was when you were on the podcast. On your episode, we closed out with me asking a handful of questions, um, you know, uh, you know, favorite course, favorite player. And then um, I think I asked you, uh, which would be the more substantial major, uh, Jack in 86 or Tiger winning a fifth green jacket? And then I, I, I 
basically, since that question was posed, Tiger's already won his fifth green jacket. Well, now yes. he's had another injury, and he's trying to make his way back. I can, you know, you can kind of see that he's not going to play as much as he used to. He's probably going to adopt more of a, a Ben Hogan esque approach to maybe playing, hopefully, uh, the majors and maybe a couple of tournaments here and there. So, let's restructure that question to you: Does Tiger win? a major win another major yes or no i gotta say yes <laughs> why wouldn't you who can who can say no at this point well you know what's funny ben is if i recall and i, I don't remember the exact timeline of when tiger had the the bad issues with like the getting pulled over and all that stuff yeah i was probably 2017 but when we were talking about it we were just like, man, how cool would that be if he could make a comeback because people have already kind of forgotten about what happened. Right. And, you know, I, I just think that he is such a, I mean, it's kind of like a Tom Brady or a, a Michael Jordan. I'm like, if someone tells you you can't do something, like that's kind of the wrong person to say that to. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, physically, I mean, I know he was playing in the, you know, he played with Charlie in that tournament, and they're riding carts. And, you know, I remember seeing a video of him after he won the Masters, like, walking into, like, the Nike building, and he looked like he was a 90-year-old man. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, man, what did he what did he endure to be able to do that? So the only reason I would say no is only because he couldn't be – he couldn't physically walk. But, you know, Tiger and I are the exact same age. Um, and I know, obviously I haven't had any of major like surgeries and stuff, but from a mental standpoint, like I know I'm old, but when I'm playing golf, like, it's not like I'm having to run away from somebody right? or get attacked, you know? And so truthfully, I feel like I'm, I'm a better golfer as, as I get older, I don't have the physical skills and I don't swing 125 like I did when I was in my twenties. But as far as playing the game, I hit it far enough. Tiger hits it far enough, even if he's not as long as he used to be. And so it's like, if some schlep like me has enough confidence to think I can go play with young kids and beat them, what would stop the greatest player in the world who has a mental game, who has a you know mental capacity unlike anybody that we've ever seen in our lifetime? Why can't he? And so, I mean, I'm I'm a big I'm a big believer in that. I'm a big believer in. You know, especially in this this sport, if you believe it and you think it, I mean, if you don't believe in your, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, who else is gonna? And I, I to I, I know that Tiger will not tee it up if he doesn't think he can win. And so if he's playing, I can't count him out. I'm kind of right there with you. I I don't want to count him out. I I'm I'm skeptical as if if he can do it again, mainly because of what you just said. I remember just physically. I I do remember seeing those last few holes of the PNC Championship, and he was grimacing there. And I mean, he was mm -hmm. gutting it out for his kid, which you know any mm -hmm. father's going to do. That's the mm -hmm. only thing. And I think his best chance is a Masters. I just I can't I, I yeah I can't see. I mean, I would never predict anyone's going to win an Open Championship just for the simple fact that you can easily get yourself on the wrong side of the draw, and you're not—you're barely making the cut. I don't care who you yeah. are; you get on the wrong side of the draw, half the field's out. Um, well, and, and remember too, Ben, wasn't Nicholas like 57 and on the first page of leaderboard on Sunday in the Masters one year? It was 1998. 
Yeah. And he and he was like 50, let's see. So he was oh, 58. He must have been 58. He was 58, yeah, cuz he was <laughs> he was 46 and 86, so 58 and 90. Yeah, so yeah, exactly right. So it can be done. Yes. That's that's a fun thing to go watch on YouTube too cuz that's the one where Nance oh, just Oh, it was on. That's where it Nance, was on. Yeah, that's where Nance just comes on the air. They do none of the typical Masters uh, like preview graphics. Yeah. They just say yeah. we're here on the Seventh hole, and yes, it's true. Jack Nicholas is, you know, yeah, it was, it was incredible, uh, right? But yeah, that I, I think, I think if he's healthy and the stars align, and maybe the the best players in the world aren't their best that week, I think it can happen again. But I think a lot of things have to go his way. Yeah, and and I, and I think too for a Tiger. I mean, I don't know him obviously, but I think the fur the last one was oh, more of a go f yourself to everybody. <laughs> Right? Yeah. I don't I, I don't I don't think that I, I, I mean not that that's not that he has anything to prove, but I don't think he doesn't have that, that he chip. Feels, he doesn't have the chip as right, right. Because yeah. like he already did it. Like okay, hey, I might not win eighteen, but call me when somebody wins fifteen. Chip, appreciate the time. Uh, I will see you at Gasparilla. Good luck in your uh, defense of your title and uh, we'll do it again. Uh, with less uh, turnaround time than four years, but I appreciate you uh, once again uh, stopping by the back of the range. Absolutely, Ben. Great to be on. Thank you. And there you have it. Special thanks to Chip Brooke for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget on Instagram, follow Gasparilla Invitational, follow the back of the range. Every episode is available at the new website, thebackoftherange.com. We'll see you next time here at the back of the range.